Perfect. I'm gonna take a breath and then I'm gonna do that thing where I like start the podcast. I don't know. Welcome back to White Lotus Radio, everybody. <laughs> this is a podcast about Legend of Korra, um, and our energy levels are apparently way higher than I thought they were, but here we go. <laughs> I did this as a bit, but we're gonna roll with it. <laughs> we're just gonna do it now. I'm um, Nora. I'm Allie. Uh, that's my name. Uh, yeah. Today we're, we're going to talk about... Um, Got it memorized? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Twitter thread about it, in fact. Anyway. Um, we're going to talk about episodes 5 and 6 today of The Legend of Season 2 of The Legend of Korra, which are titled Peacekeepers and The Sting. I thought there was a J in there for some reason. Nora, do you no. want to talk about these? Do you want to talk about these TV shows? I kind of want to talk about these TV shows. Uh, yeah, let's talk about some TV shows. Uh, Yo, this episode was directed by Colin Heck. What a good name! Yeah, what a good name. Um. So I was telling you this last night, but I haven't told the listeners because we haven't podcasted yet. Um, after last week where I could not remember things I had witnessed 45 minutes prior, I decided this week to take notes again. Um, <laughs> I, I did not take notes, but I do have a record of some of the messages I sent you while watching. Um, I, well, I have see, slept since I last watched these episodes, which was like a few hours ago. Here's the wild thing is that notes aren't very useless if you don't press control S and you just lose them. I think they're very useless if you don't press Control S and then you just use them. Lose, lose. Uh, yeah, you're totally uh, right. I was just, I misspoke and I just kept same. rolling with it. <laughs> I was only like, I was only like sixty-six percent sure that I even misspoke. And then okay. I brought it into the spotlight and then misspoke while doing it. We're feeling good. We're feeling good. Um, hey, editing. Hi, welcome back to White Lotus Radio. I'm Allie. <laughs> I love Sonic the Hedgehog. And uh, my name is... Uh, I was going to say your name backward, and then I couldn't think of what your name backward was, so I did Aaron. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just totally blanked on that. Um... Did you know that your name backward is just your avatar name? <laughs> um, going by Aster's tweet, uh, if you do an anagram of your name, your first and last name, you find your friends at the table name. <laughs> which... Oh, uh, I came for up them, with a really good friends it, at the table name for myself. And came for them, it. it gave them Eon Freestyle. Hell yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> So anyway, episodes five and six of The Legend of Korra, um, we start with war profiteering in this episode. We don't start with it, but there's some war profiteering. Um, just scrolling up in my messages to you to hope I remember how this episode starts and that I can get... There's a part where you screenshot your notes. Yeah, there is. That's like five minutes in. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So they land in um, Republic City, and Lin Beifong immediately greets them and is like, Mako, I need you um, to go back to being a cop so that you can watch this peace march tonight and make sure nothing gets out of hand, and I hate the show again, everyone. Also, like, does he just... Was he, like, on vacation? I don't know. Because a big deal in later in these two episodes is that like he's a rookie cop mm-hmm. and like I don't know much about policing but I would say that the rookie cop doesn't just get to take weeks long vacations to wherever whenever I don't know he's also dating the avatar you have to deal with it he has to deal with it actually in this <laughs> in this week's episode yeah but um so, start of the season, I liked it. Last week, nothing happened. And then this week, we start with, um, you have to make sure this, uh, you have to police this peace rally, and uh, I hate this show again. 
Uh, at the rally, or the, uh, really more of a march, mm-hmm. um, there's an explosion, and there are several shots of all of the characters like gasping and looking at the big fireball. And uh, yeah, the animation's not very good in this episode, uh, especially it's like early really on. It looks bad. very bad, and not just the animation, but like the drawings of the characters. It's, it's just, it's all bad. Awful. <laughs> I'm not um, a person who notices when animation is bad, usually, and I noticed here. It's just, like, terrible. <laughs> also, also, we missed a key detail, which is um, Korra is marching with the South. Um, Mako is encouraging her not to because she needs to remain neutral and understand both sides of this conflict. Um, it's it's pretty but, cool. But even how... if she was being neutral, she would be on this side of the conflict. Right. Like, again, it's very unclear, as we said last week, what the Avatar's role is diplomatically. Because mm-hmm. nobody seems to expect her to intervene on behalf of the, like, slighted party here. No. Um, it's, it's all dumb. I feel like, you know, Kiyoshi would just kill uh, <laughs> Unalak, right? I kind of want Korra to just kill Unalak. I don't know. I don't know what's happening at all, but, well, I do know what's happening. It's just, it's dumb. Because I also don't like Korra. Like, I don't like Mako and everyone being like, oh, Korra, you have to see both sides. And I also think Korra is being an asshole, and we're going to get to that right now, I feel now, like Mako is actually the best character in these two episodes. Really? I was constantly frustrated with him, but also, like... He's the I... only person who's like doing like the right thing and right like it feels like he's doing the right thing but the show like hates him for that and so like my my feelings about mako were pulled in two directions you know like like they're being bended in two directions <sighs> being feeling bended you should get bent so after the bombing, Cora tries to do some diplomacy bending and uh, fails miserably. Mm-hmm. She goes to the president, and the president is like, um, I think very sensibly, like, well, I don't know. The president says that he's not getting involved. I don't know. The if president that's says, uh huh, mm-hmm. yes, very interesting. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Basically, like, he hears her for five minutes, and then he's just like, I'm not getting into a war between either of you, because I don't see how that benefits me at all. He says, I don't know that we should get involved with, in- with internal water tribe politics. Hmm. Which calls into question, like, what the role of Republic City is politically also. Right! Right! <laughs> <laughs> What is he supposed to do if not it's very, between? It's very unclear. And they're trying to have a situation that is has a lot of moving parts politically, but they haven't actually done the groundwork to set up what the world state is. Yeah. Like, I There's should a... think that we're half... After these two episodes, we're halfway through season. No, we're mm-hmm. almost halfway through season two. There's 14 episodes instead of 12. Oh, are there? Yeah. Um, we should know what the state of the world politically is, but the first season didn't give us any of that because it was all inside Republic City and had nothing to do with, like, what is Republic City in the role between, like, the Earth Kingdom and the Fire Nation? Like, are the is, are all of the co- the governments of the world? united or like is this just a neutral ground between the other countries we don't know what the deal is yeah like one wonders if there were like any border skirmishes um 
in the years between the last show and this show. Like, we just don't know what's going on. I don't have any idea of what the president's politics are other than fuck Cora, maybe. I don't know. They're, they're called the United Forces, so clearly they're, like, made up of people from multiple countries, but it's not clear, like, is do they have territory? Do they have mm-hmm. borders? Are they just, like, is this the UN? I, yeah, and, like, I got the impression when the United Forces showed up last time that they were, like, the UN or NATO or whoever, but, like... There, yeah, it is very unclear what Republic City is. All that to say, uh, President Raiko turns her down, and so, uh, hearing this stellar idea from Varric, she decides, hey, what if I just went to the general instead of the president, and then, like, mm-hmm. had the military act outside of the knowledge of their commander to do an illegal war instead. Yeah, what if I went to uh, Iroh directly and just told him to start a war instead of asking the president to start a war? He's young and my friend. He'll do it. What? What? And, and Varric then says, because, so... There's a bit at the start of this episode where Asami says, I'm going to go check on my factory, and I just assumed that meant Asami will not be in this episode. Oh, no, no. Far worse. Asami checks on her factory. She is not making any money and decides that the thing that she needs to do is start selling weapons to the South. Asami is just going to be a war profiteer now, apparently. Varric, and Varric there's a, and Korra there's a line are, like, in this. There's a line in this kid's cartoon about if you can't make money during a war, you just flat out can't make money. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, ugh. Remember last week when I loved Varric? No. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> what a mistake. <laughs> I do remember that. that. <laughs> like, I, last week it was just like, oh, he's awful, but I like him. This week it's like, no, he's gonna start war profiteering and making jokes in every single line regardless of when it's appropriate it's Mm -hmm. awful this show sucks i don't like any of these people and uh while this is happening mako is investigating the explosion and he has this remote detonator Mm -hmm. and he keeps trying to do his job and then all the other cops just like shove them into lockers right and... they're like <laughs> two goofy older cops who have like weird facial hair and that's just a running gag in this episode that doesn't do anything or they're they're like ah, it's, it's, it, was, it was the north they did it yeah. don't worry about investigating shit yeah. And and Lynn Bayfong just goes along with it. She's just like, yeah, I believe these two goobers over um, the main character of the show. Also, can I just say, Mako's uniform is really good. Yeah, he's looking sharp. I like he it. is a cop, but... Yeah. Um... So, Korra then goes to Iroh. Um, not the Iroh you like, the Iroh you don't like from this show. Um, and says, hey, can you start a war for me? And Iroh says, sure. And then the president shows up. Oh, because Mako right. we need to talk. We need to pause and talk about uh, Bolin becoming a porn star. Bolin does become a porn star. Like, there's... Uh, Okay, Varric decides to make propaganda with his mm-hmm. movers technology and creates this this character called Nuktuk, Hero of the South, which is definitely a play on Nanook of the North. Okay, it was reminding me of something that whole time and I couldn't put my finger on it, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, um, and it's this fucking Flash Gordon serial 
mm-hmm. and it stars Bolin as Nuktuk, and uh, it's some sexy lady named Ginger as Ginger. Yeah. And Unalak is the like villain who's like chewing scenery and like I'm gonna take over the world, blah blah blah. And he looks like Ozai. He looks exactly like Ozai. <laughs> um, and it's 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 kind of it starts out like kind of goofy, and then it just mm. becomes very bad. Uh, it so becomes the- very bad, especially in the episode six. But we can talk about that here, I think. Yeah, so the the first part is Bolin um getting a big head from fame and mm-hmm. and becoming this sort of movie star. He like uh, puts which, a hot tub in their apartment. Um, the, there's so much steam coming off of that. They're gonna mess up the the, the ceiling. Like <laughs> That's all I could think about in that scene was like you're gonna fuck up that whole room. Oh, well, we're talking about just small annoyances. It also bothered me that these are movies with sound. I feel like they should have been silent movies, but that's mm. no, no. They just did. They invented that too. Okay. It same. definitely didn't take forty years or whatever to invent sound. Hey, hey, hey! Shh, shh. <laughs> They're sound bending. <laughs> Varric is an ideas bender, by the way. We already did an extended fucking Bitcoin bit last time. I we can't. <laughs> so okay. Then the Bolin stuff after he just gets a big ego, gets really really gross. Um, he has feelings for Ginger. And he thinks that she likes him because her character likes his character. And it's extremely creepy. And Mm -hmm. at one point he kisses her when it's not in the script and doesn't understand why that's a really bad thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then that just kind of gets kind of glossed over and, and nobody really pays attention to that. In fact, Varric says it's great. Varric encourages him to do it more. It's all super fucking gross. Yep. And it's only grosser in 2018, but it was gross then too. <sighs> and I, I said, show. I said, Bolin becomes a porn star because, like, that's the vibe it gets of like, yeah, Varric recruiting him into this into this film. Like, it just felt like that more than it felt like a just a movie. Because he's like, yeah, hey, I, really I know what your calling is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gross. It's. I texted you. I texted you. I was like, this is the only storyline I have any hope for at all. And you were just like, uh, maybe stop. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse from here, if I remember right. I think you're right. But, Okay. So the um, the chorus. But all that to say that there's the scene with the hot tub, and mm-hmm. at that point, Mako hears that Korra is gonna go talk to Iroh right. about starting right. an illegal war. Okay. Uh, as if there's I was, a legal I was missing war. A I don't know. There's no such thing as legal wars, right? I mean, like, as far as war goes, it feels like. As Varric puts it, going straight to the troops because they love fighting feels less ethical than going to the president. Neither feels great, but like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything about how militaries work, but I know that's not how they work. I feel like that's probably not it. I feel like that's not the way. I feel like that's what the villain does, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's almost as if Korra is a really bad person in these two episodes who encourages war profiteering. Um, and then pres- the president shows up at the... In the police department. Pol- at the police station. And basically just... 
after a scene, one of the scenes where the two mustache cops get Mako into trouble for doing his job, uh, he, the president is like, hey, you're dating the Avatar, right? If you know anything, like, she's going to do something, let me know, because she's, like, involved in all this. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, actually... Yeah, he's he basically snitches on her. Um, I feel I like snitches. it's not he probably snitching. Did the right thing. I feel like it's more whistleblowing at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like I find it difficult to think to see Mako as the bad person here. <laughs> yeah, it, like I say, like I say, Mako is doing the right thing. And it's just that the show so aggressively hates him for doing the right thing that I keep calling it, like, snitching and stuff like that. But, like, Mako and, is doing like, the right thing. let's be real. We're talking about the characters trying to get troops to fight in a war, in a civil war, mm-hmm. when one of the characters could end the conflict immediately. Like, this isn't the real world. This is a fantasy world where this person can glow up their eyes and just remove problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're totally right. Like the whole thing is like, I don't know. If um, Cora really, really tried, she could fix all of these problems by herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, by herself and the consciousnesses of like a thousand other avatars, but like still. She doesn't need an army. No. If she actually really wanted to do a specific thing and, like, choose an outcome for this whole conflict, she could kill Unalak, but this is a cartoon, so... And speaking of um, channeling the Avatar spirits, so the president puts a stop to um, Iroh intervening in the war, and Iroh says to... Cora that she should go to the Fire Lord, which my heart skipped a beat when he said that. I was like, oh, this show is going to get so much worse suddenly, because I just don't have any hope for them introducing the Fire Lord at all. Well, good news. Yeah. On the way I knew there, this was coming, I just thought that it was going to be a little later. I totally forgot this part. I totally forgot this part. But we won't see... Let me double check my memory real quick okay no that does happen there's two more scenes that that have Korra in them between now and the end of the next episode so yeah that was like I was trying to remember and I was looking at the wiki and I was like oh right this happens at the end of this episode so So, Unalak sends out his hired killers aka his children um, to find Korra and bring her back alive Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get on jet skis and go after Korra when she leaves to go to the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how they find her so quickly, but they do. Oh, they they read the script, but oh, they okay. try to fight her, and she's better than them. And then there's a giant evil spirit that that mm-hmm. pops out of the ocean and attacks. And Desna and Eska are like, actually, we're gonna peace out. Yeah. Uh, and then Korra tries to fight this big spirit and um, fails. She tries to soothe this spirit mm-hmm. and it just eats her. And yep. she's removed from the plot until the end of the next episode. So Yeah, this... I thought this was like midway through episode six, but no, it's just she's not in episode five or she's not in episode six. Yeah. This is the end of episode five, is her getting taken down by the Stark Spirit. This is the part of the season where it feels like they don't know what they're doing. Like, we're getting to that part. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to, like, the threads are starting to fray and, and shoot off in a million different directions. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, what they are about to do could have, like, pulled everything in better. Uh, but we'll see if that happens. Also, one thing I just glossed over and want to mention again is that Unalak sends um, Eska and Desna out to find Korra, 
And there's a bit where he says, I want her alive, which implied to me that sometimes he sends his children out to kill people, which is wild. What is well, this show? Eska would kill. Also, Eska is like still distraught over Bolin and is like taking this well, as a revenge mission. She's not and, like, distraught. She just has messed up eye makeup on. She sounds pretty much the same, except instead of like dispassionately hating the world around her, it's it's like the Avatar for stealing her right. boyfriend, despite never showing an ounce of affection for him. That was my thought. I was like, when does she, when did she care about Bolin? What? It's that whole that whole relationship is gross, and they don't dig into that at all. No. Uh, but that brings us to the end of episode five. Mm-hmm. And in episode six, uh, we see Mako and Asami working together to... Um, okay, it starts with a, a um, uh, an attack. It starts with Asami's ship um, getting ambushed as she tries to send... Um, weapons to the south yeah and so there's a little side mission where mako and asami investigate this and uh okay i was just double checking my notes and mm-hmm. this is basically the whole episode is this storyline but um, it really is isn't it i thought this one was like as interweaved as the last one was but no this is just the whole thing so what happens oh we skipped over a big thing we skipped over a big thing right before Korra um, is taken down by that dark spirit her and Mako broke up oh right yes because he told the president and she trashes his desk at work and storms out after they break up and uh Lynn comes out and is like, what happened? In he- what happened in here? Uh, he's like, I just broke up with the Avatar. And she's like, you got off lucky. You should have seen Air Temple Island after tens and broke up with me. Like, Women ha, are so ha, crazy. Ha. Women are crazy. There's and- a lot of women do be shopping in this episode. And, uh... like, and even like, as we said, Eska. She's out for blood because Bolin, like left her Mm -hmm. it's like huh yeah like remember a couple episodes back or or like last season when fucking Iki and Korra both made cat noises at each other when they got mad like the people making this show don't seem to have a very high opinion of women no no they don't um oh also the uh continual sexual harassment of Julie um, don't mm-hmm. forget about that. That's just played for laughs. <sighs> but. But. Mako and Asami. Mako wants to investigate more about these people attacking the ships because he thinks it's connected to the people who attacked the the Water na- water Tribe Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. Because the, uh, the detonators, he believes... He believes the remote detonators are showing up in these ship ambushes um, that also showed up in the uh, Water water Tribe Cultural Center attack. And so he's not allowed to, so he is... Yeah, Binfang, uh, Beifong does not um, buy his story. She's, she's not convinced, and so she tells him to stop that line of investigation. But Mako and Asami decide to just do it anyway? By mm-hmm. approaching the triple threat triads and hiring them to come on a ship with them as a sting so that they could arrest people. They can lure the people who are going to ambush the ships into a trap and then arrest them. Mako then... is so dumb. I hate this. This Mako... could have been a cool thing. Like... It could have worked if the writers had decided it would work, and then it would be a good idea. Well, but Mako, like, your whole thing is busting the triads. 
Why would you work with them? They will tell the police about you. This Are is, you kidding? This would be a cool thing of like, hey, I'm a cool cop guy. I know criminals. I know I can like deal with them also because like maybe they respect me because I'm a good fight cop fighter, you know? But instead, it's just, hey, do you guys want to do a thing for cash and weapons? And they're like, I'm yeah, like, also, now we're double-crossing you. And not even in the way that I expected them to double-cross him. It's so, it's so dumb. I'm gonna, I'm going to personally buy the writers of um, Korra, like, a, a few copies of The Wire and The Sopranos, because they are... <laughs> Clearly have no idea how to write crime shows. I love crime shows. This is bad at it. <laughs> I think that Mako going to the triads is not in itself a bad idea. I think that it was just really poorly executed here. Mm. There could have been a really cool episode about like having to, to like employ criminals to catch other criminals. Right. It just it just points to them like not knowing much about the the it feels like they're still making avatar but they're trying to make like a, a crime thing and they're just not very good at it they're only trying to do it for one episode and they don't really pull it off yeah yeah uh, they're they're double crossed in the sense that mako just overhears them saying hey we were hired to keep them busy for a couple hours and that's what we're gonna do and yeah, like, <laughs> I'm not a criminal. But if I were a criminal, I would yeah. not loudly speak about the crime I'm doing in the vicinity of the person who will be a victim of my crime. And then there's a there's a fight scene as they try to escape, and they realize that the reason that they were being held up. As they go back to the warehouse and it's been completely cleaned out mm -hmm. and Asami's company is completely ruined. Mm -hmm. oh, and but, but Nora, we skipped over that hilarious com comedy relief character, Two-Toed Ping. You don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about Two-Toed Ping because the show sure did. Wait, is he a triad? Two-Toed Ping was a triad who was on the boat. Um, Damn, he a triad and he got feet? He has 12 toes, which is why he's called Two-Toed Ping. Because there was already a 12-toed Ping on the north side. So This show spends, like, a long time <laughs> on Two-Toed Ping for In a 22-minute no episode, we get, like, a minute and a half or more of Two-Toed Ping. Yeah. It's wild. It's dumb. <laughs> I hate this show. <laughs> I'm sorry to be like so angry and negative this week. I just hate no, it. No, this. this is the part that I specifically remember where like this season gets super shitty. Like these are the problems that I had with this episode. I didn't expect them to be concentrated into two episodes for us to talk about. But mm -hmm. everything that we've been complained about in these in this episode of our podcast are the things that I remember being super shitty about this season. I mean, except for one other thing later on, which maybe my perspective has changed on, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So, uh, Asami, um, all her supplies are still, everything she owns has been stolen while they've been on this boat. Um, they're really upset. Mako does a little more investigation. Um, he shows up on the set of Bolin's movie. And there are these remote detonators on the movie set. Hmm. And for, the, for the pyrotechnics. For the pyrotechnics. And there you like, look exactly like the detonator that he found at the crime scene. Huh. Mm -hmm. And then and he who goes. Owns this movie set? Uh, it's like Varric. The war profiteer. Who, at the beginning of the last episode, described how he contributed a lot of money to President Raiko's election campaign. And also the other And guys. also the other guy. <laughs> uh, and now here we are where Mako starts putting these pieces together and goes to find Asami 
only to discover that Asami has just sold a controlling share of Future Industries to Varric, who is clearly evil in that scene. Mm -hmm. For the first time in the show, he's not making quips. He's just sitting there with his fingers steepled, just staring straight at Mako. Yep. Because and he doesn't uh, work. He, he was the villain. He was he was bad actually. In case you didn't didn't put it together and. And he was behind all of this so that he could get future industries under his, like, umbrella. I'll give them credit for the fact that I did not see that coming because he has been so jokey. Most of the, most of the villains in this show are just, like, over-the-top villainous, and so Varric's turn did surprise me. Well, here's the thing, is that uh, the show is not going to treat Varric as a villain for very long. No, no, because I remember him in seasons three and four just going back to being his uh, goofy Zuckerberg. Elon like not Musk to parody. be, not to spoil stuff or anything, but Varric is a is like basically one of the main characters for the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah, and the main thing I remember about him is being like kind of a farce character, like Bolin is becoming. Yeah, I totally forgot that he. Uh, turns villain in this episode like it is so, not a thing worth remembering past this i feel like let's think about what asami has been through mm -hmm. her father was a terrorist mm -hmm. and she fought him and then her boyfriend cheated on her and then uh, they broke up, and then... And then she kissed Mako in this episode at some point. She it kisses Mako uh, at some point. I don't remember when or why uh, that happens. I don't even know if she knows that Korra broke up with... That they broke up. No, like, they, I don't know if she it thinks it's boat. cheating or normal. Because um, he's like, I broke up with the Avatar, and 12 Toe Ping is like, ah, yeah, sure, all right. And then Asami's like, huh, you did? And like, sta like, like straightens right. up. Ha <laughs> ha, straightens up. Um... <sighs> Keep going. <laughs> um, and now, in her attempts to get her, like, she's inherits this company and tries to run it and tries to keep it going. And it starts. Um, it starts slipping and it's it's sabotaged and then the person who's she thinks is helping her turns out to be just do, like pulling all these strings so that he can buy her company mm -hmm. like uh, being a sami is suffering yeah yeah and like is i kind of hate a sami for just buying into the war profiteering immediately but like a sami's had a rough go of it also, she kisses Mako after this date adventure, and as soon as Korra shows back up, that's gonna be a thing again. Like, yep, she knows that. I think. Yep. It's Here's really my unclear. hot take: Asami should just kiss Korra. I am up. Hmm. An interesting ploy. Let's see if it works out. That's that's my IMO, is that she should kiss Korra instead of... Who should Mako kiss? Um, Mako should kiss that mustache cop. No, because the two mustache cops have to kiss each other. I mean, Mako can also kiss one of the mustache cops. I mean, that's true, but what if Mako and Ping? Mako and Ping, you say? <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, uh, nothing good happens to Azami, and Ever. it's just setting up more heartbreak for her. Mm -hmm. uh, like, sure, that is a thing that happens. People do weird things when emotions and attraction are involved. But like, in a in a show, when you can just control how characters act, it is a lot uh, less 
convincing when those things happen. Yeah, it's just it yeah, it feels like it feels like the writers don't like Asami very much, and it feels like the writers don't like women very much, like just as a concept. Mm-hmm. Um not a lot of respect women juice being bended in this show. <laughs> um, yeah. And in the in, I could probably in, make like a connection between Asami always having the perfect makeup and also being the woman who is like takes the most like brutal bullshit from this show. That's probably a connection that can be drawn. <sighs> There's one last thing in this in this pretty bad episode. Do you want to move on to that, or did you have more to say? Uh, last thing is that in the movies, uh, Pabu and I guess is that Naga? It might be Naga. <laughs> uh, they have voices, <laughs> which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, and Naga is just goofy, like mm-hmm. not not an adge- adjective, like. Not terrible. <laughs> Gosh. But anyway. Oh, we totally skipped over like another whole plot line in the show of um Also while all this hap- is happening, we just get have been getting random cutaways to Tenzin oh, right. teaching um <laughs> his youngest child to train lemurs. Um And that that goes nowhere. It goes, so it's like a really heavy-handed metaphor for like, Tenzin is working through um, his his failings in teaching Korra to airbend and like his failings as a father and like his father's failings. But, and like when I describe it like that, it sounds pretty good because like I said a couple times last week, the show has been really averse to like, character development and this is character development but it is the most on the nose thing like um Tenzin's son says to him it's lonely being the alpha lemur and Tenzin is just like sigh it sure is and it's just like uh. yeah uh that was, that was my favorite stuff that happened in these episodes, and I don't even like it that much it was, because of just how poorly it's done. It's just that they're doing something that was interesting. Yeah, like, at the end, he's become this monster that has trained all the lemurs to, like, fly in formation and and all land and, and, and obey his every command, and he's like, tends it as like, uh, why don't we go back to just playing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird, and I guess it's character development, but is it really if no one learns anything from it? I mean, I guess the question is is Tenzin then going to re enter Korra's storyline um, and try to be a different dad than the dad he has been? I think that is something that happens. I hope it is, because otherwise this is. This has been a total waste of time. <laughs> oh, wait. I just remembered... Ugh, never mind. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, uh, I just looked two weeks ahead, so we'll get there. Should we, should we talk about the, the very, very, very last thing that happens in these episodes? Yes. So, Korra washes up on this island Mm -hmm. and uh you hear footsteps and there are fire sages who you may remember from the first show uh from the episode where we introduced being able to talk to like avatar roku and stuff in the first show Mm -hmm. um and she does she does a spin attack at them and then falls over and they're like, ah, oh, no, we're here to help you, Avatar Korra. And she's like, who's Avatar Korra? I don't remember anything. And passes out. Mm-hmm. So. I, so. I'll say this ahead of time. Um, next week's episodes are called Beginnings Part 1 and 2. 
And like, I remember really liking those episodes because we get an origin story about um, the very first Avatar. I totally and, forgot that that is set up because Korra has amnesia, which is dumb. Mm-hmm. I just... We will, we will see if this um, story is the midi-chlorians of Legend of Korra. Yep. Because it might be yep. the midi-chlorians of Legend of Korra. <laughs> which, side note, midi-chlorians are good, actually, and they can be used to tell interesting stories. No, but, bad. No, fuck off. <laughs> it's a good uh, uh, illustration of the way that the Jedi Order has become uh, stale and corrupt, but we don't need to talk about the prequels in this. I'm surprised we don't talk about the prequels on every episode, since we do talk about Naruto and Code Geass on every episode. There's a there's a fun image that like shows a thing from the prequels and then a thing from Legend of Korra, to show that this is the prequels of of Avatar, like, um, it shows a picture of a a billion Jedi in the Geonosis arena, all holding lightsabers, next to the picture of Mako and a bunch of other lightning benders in the factory, and like mm-hmm. you can see the arguments there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an entirely in good faith because it seems to be saying that the prequels are bad or something. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> I've but, never uh, seen anyone <laughs> online say that the prequels are bad. Never. <sighs> I need I need to start qualifying my statements about the prequels being good. Because there's actually like parts of it that are not defensible, and that's mm-hmm. not the parts that I talk that I mean when I say that the prequels are good. But anyway, <laughs> when I start my Star Wars podcast, we can talk about the prequels. Literally, I just scrolled to the bottom of this core wiki page, and there is a little. Uh, link here to how star wars influenced music on that you can just click through to and i thought it was a picture from the prequels but it's not no hell no it's not (laughs) it's it's those one guys in that bar or in jabba the huts wherever i don't know why am i talking wait is it is it is it the modal nodes or is it Is it Max Rebo in the modal nodes, or is it the band from Jabba's Palace? I don't know Star Wars. I only know Sonic the Hedgehog. There's just going to be clicking on my audio track now as I send you the screenshot. (laughs) Uh, I think that's that's Max Rebo in the modal nodes. Good for you. I'm going to... I put out a question tweet. (laughs) Anyway... Um, Max Revo hij- hijacking that one signal in the 80s. <laughs> Was that even in the podcast? I feel like we talked about that I don't that know that we talked about the week. Max Headroom signal broadcast hijacking in our <laughs> podcast. I think I would have remembered that. I think that was from the day that we didn't end up recording. So I put out... I put out a tweet saying, hey, do people have questions? We got a question. Do you want to hear it, Nora? I do. It is from my close personal friend, uh, at ResiDoke on Twitter, a.k.a. Resi, a.k.a. Just Bofa Jokes. Um, Resi inspired my classic tweet, Bofa D Sides, um, which I really should have tweeted from the White Lotus account. It's true. Anyway... Rezzy asks, what D&D classes best represent Korra's main characters? Nora, you strike me as a person who remembers what classes are in D&D, and I do not. So I'm going to let you answer this. Hi, it's me, the D&D player. <laughs> um, what class is Korra? A fighter, definitely. Yeah. Um, unless you want to make the case that she's a barbarian... And you want to interpret the rage mechanic as the avatar state? Okay. I buy that. I buy that. I might write that that uh, barbarian variant at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to work on a barbarian uh, alternate that uh, uses a uh, different emotion instead of rage for its rage mechanic. Oh. Uh, I think that... Uh, I originally it started out as being a sad barbarian and like using losing sorrow and, and grief 
but it's turning that into sounds a like spite, me. more of a spite situation. But my homebrew tabletop shenanigans aside, patreon.com slash Nora Blake. Um, <laughs> I think that. Hmm. I I think that Asami might be a rogue because she's like. But that's not really more like a third edition rogue because she's like got a lot of skills and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, there's there's the argument that the avatar could be a warlock, uh, but we can talk more about that after next 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 episode. Um, okay. Because warlocks make a pact with a with a, a patron and to get power. Oh, okay. Uh, I think Bolin is a sorcerer. Really? That is... Uh, I would have sent, like... No. Tell me why Bolin is a sorcerer, because I don't know anything. Sorcerers are characters that are born with magic, and as opposed to studying it like a wizard or making a deal for it like a warlock, and they are charisma-based spellcasters. Okay, there it is. There it is. <laughs> um, Mako is like... Lawful good paladin. Uh, yeah. He's kind of a paladin in the way of Vaxildon from Critical Role, where he's like a paladin rogue multiclass. Okay, I can see it. I can see it. Because he does, he does go outside of the structure of the law. Which, if you only interpret the lawful uh, alignment to be within the structure of, like, man-made laws, then you're doing lawful wrong. Don't at me about it. As a person who does not play D&D, I am totally with you. I've always thought that that was really limiting. But, once again, I know nothing about the, the dragons and the drive-ins and dives. It's just that, like, it means order, not, like, literal laws. So, like, it's really fucking limiting to to be at him, mm-hmm. to be, like, so devoted to the letter of the law, because that's really not what the what the spirit of the, of the alignment is in my mm-hmm. IMO. But regardless, we're talking a lot about tabletop games this episode, so I'm having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, Varric. What class is, is Varric? Uh, he's like a um 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 bard. Yeah, yeah, I can see I that. Think, I think he's a bard, and I take back Asami. I think Asami is a what's it called? An artificer. That's not the, even. I don't know what that is. That sounds fake. <laughs> uh, it's it's not a fully real class yet. I'm I'm mainly sticking to fifth edition in these, um, but it's it's a it's an unearthed arcana class, which is like the here's some stuff we made up. Uh, maybe it'll make it into a real book someday. But at, until then, here's an unofficial like classes and stuff you can play if you want to. It's not perfectly balanced necessarily, but here it is and. Um, mm-hmm. That's where like the psionics are at right now, which is a bummer because I love psionics. But uh, the artificer is like making magic items and um, equipment, okay. that sort of thing. So I feel like Asami would be that. So we got Cora, Marco, Bolin, Asami, Eric. Uh, Tenzin is a, a monk. Tenzin's a monk. <laughs> There's a specific subclass of monk all about elements. That's extremely Avatar, so. Okay, that's that's a layup. Uh, I think that's everyone, right? I think that's everyone. Uh, Iroh. Iroh's a fighter. <laughs> the Iroh I, I like is a monk. Iroh's just a fighter. <laughs> um, I think that's mainly it. Man, now I'm thinking about Uncle Iroh and I'm sad. On that you know note, Leaves on the Vine rules? It's a good song. Where can people go on the internet to tell you about how much they like that song? Um, they can find me at, um, 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 pulling up my Twitter, at Allison underscore coffee okay. on Twitter. Um, 
Do I have other places people talk to me? Maybe if we're mutuals, you can talk to me on Discord. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. You can find my everything, all my stuff there. I, I think you have a pinned tweet, which is pretty comprehensive. It is. Uh, it will need to be updated in the next month or two as I do more podcasts because there's more podcasts coming for me. <laughs> yeah, I have. I am wrapping up school, and once school is wrapped, I have like three podcasts I'm starting about. I'm almost certainly going to do with people, and because I am a fool. Are you going to edit them? I probably should. I should probably offer to edit them. If you edit them, then you're like in charge of the podcast. As, as that's what I understand, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a so fool, there, Nora. So there are at least two podcasts that uh, I'm going to hope to get started the next few months. Maybe more. We'll have to see. Yeah. Anywhere from two to four this year, I will start more podcasts. Um, you have you considered a modicum of chill? Of what? I don't know what that is. A, a, a chill pill, if you would. Hmm. No. <laughs> I also do tabletop game design. I'm working on my game Dust Wardens currently, which has been in development for almost a full year. Uh, it's starting to really take shape at this point. <laughs> I read but, two um, paragraphs of it, and it's awesome. Thank you. Um, there will be more stuff about that coming out soon. Don't believe that, but I'm going to say soon. <laughs> I'm just going to start texting you every day being like, hey, have you worked on Dust Wardens? <laughs> I need to write more like... There's more writing to be done for it. Uh, mm -hmm. The game part is pretty much done. Okay. I have to just like write the other parts of the, the game that aren't mechanics. Mm -hmm. About like, hey, this is what the themes of the game are. Also, this is what a role-playing game is because every game has to have a chapter on... I know, on it's my favorite part. <laughs> I have never read that chapter ever, and I have no idea. I should probably like go back and read the what's a role-playing game sections from other games because I've never read those. I'm in a game of masks, and I have read my playbook and the part that explains what role-playing games are. <laughs> uh, I've just... Uh, I don't know why, because like, when I started with like D&D &D 3.5 or, or like... Um, or even 4th edition, or Anima, or the other systems I played back in the day when I was starting, I still didn't read what is a role-playing game. Yeah. I guess I just... I got into it after having seen, like, Critical Role, or having listened to Friends at the Table, so, like... Right, or, like, your GM, like, explains to you what role-playing is. You don't always need the, uh... Yeah. But also, the that section is always hilarious to me. Is always what? It's always hilarious to me because it's always like, <laughs> can you read and use pencils? If so. Here's an example of play. John wants to open the door. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, you can support that work if you want to at patreon.com slash Nora Blake. Uh, and you would see things um, if, by becoming a patron there. You would see things like my homebrew paladin oath for 5th edition D&D that I put up there, or my game about my micro RPG about uh, our relationship with food and narrative. Oh, I don't think I read that one. I yeah. read a couple of your micro RPGs, but I don't recall that one. Yeah, it's about popcorn and movies. Um, huh. You can also buy my game Wizards Brunch uh, at on itch.io uh, I also did a mech game that's on itch.io that one rules thank you uh, that's just my stuff you can find it there catch me on hollow sweethearts talking about star trek catch me on uh, lost library where I play molly thomas in the grayscale monster of the week campaign it's an actual play podcast yeah um, I think that's about it Nora, I almost called you Cora. Um, <laughs> the Legend of Nora. The, the Legend of Nora. We we skipped over 
the most important thing that happened in this episode, which luckily is something that we can end the episode on. Which what? Um, so Cora trashes the uh, Mako's desk at the police department, and Bayfong walks in and says, "What the flamio happened here?" <laughs> that was a very bad line. <laughs> it's terrible. And it's just bad enough that we can end our podcast with it. Uh, what the flamio do we do for a sign-off this week? <laughs> we're going to get that explicit tag removed from iTunes, and we're just going to start saying flamio all the time. Keep it toasty, flamios. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>